Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, as we continue in this journey, learning how to live with joy no matter the circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but as you look at 2020, it doesn't seem like many circumstances are getting much better. This Just this morning, in two conversations, I talked with one person who has dealt with the loss of a loved one during the month of June. I've talked with someone else who's dealing with a very severe illness situation in their life and checked in on somebody else who's dealing with a severe illness situation. And those are all families right here within our church. And you look at 2020, and you probably can look at your life and go, yeah, let me just tag all the craziness of 2020. And if you're on social media, you see some people saying, man, can we just like pack up 2020 and put it away and move on? Uh, because it's been, been one crazy year, and if it's not then been the pandemic and the racial tensions and financial struggles and the political stuff, it hits very close to home with all kinds of things. And what I've discovered is all of us in these kind of situations handle all these things so differently depending on uh, where our walk is with God, uh, and, and that could be different for each person, uh, our personality, our character. And so as I'm reading through Philippians, thinking about all this, it hit me the other day when I was reading through Philippians chapter 2, I was like, man, the Apostle Paul has just taken us through a character study or personality study of some very key people. And he holds them up and says, look at these people. These are people who get it. No matter what the circumstances are, I can still walk in joy. Now, I would assume most of us in here probably have done some kind of personality test. Who, who in here has ever done like the Myers-Briggs test. You ever done that Myers-Briggs? What about the, the DISC profile? Anybody familiar with DISC profile? Wow, nobody here is putting their, oh, there's one DISC profile, okay. What about the 16 PF? I bet nobody's done that. 16 personalities. Uh, I, hopefully out of those 16, only one or two are really showing up or we're kind of messed up, right? Uh, the Enneagram, that's the newest one now. That's the one that's taken the world by storm, so to speak. Some of those tests then, in the end, give you results, and some define you by words like dominant or influencer or conscientiousness or, or steadiness. Some compare you to animals, and they say, well, you're like a retriever, you're a bear, or you're a lion, or you're a lamb. Others paint you a certain color and say you're blue, you're orange, you're red, you're green. All these kinds of assessments and personality tests that if you've, you've applied for a job, many times they make you go through that. Or if you're going through some kind of unity growing thing, we've, we've used these kind of assessments in church trying to get to know one another. And I stop and I look at that and say, this is exactly the, paint, the picture that Paul has painted for us in Philippians chapter 2. I see Paul just holding up different people, different personalities, different character traits that say, here are people that get the submissive mind. Remember we talked about chapter 1 being all about the single mind. Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. That was Paul having a single mindset. He said, as long as I live with this mindset, no matter the circumstances that are swirling around me, I can still have joy because I'm living for Christ. And if I die, praise the Lord, I'm with Christ. 
And that was a single mindset. And then we turn to chapter 2, and Paul challenges us to have a submissive mindset, which means we put others before ourselves. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but what? But consider others better than yourselves. It's, it's the whole love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's chapter 1. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's chapter 2. The submissive mind. Can I put others before me? In Philippians 2, 1 through 11, he shows us how Jesus loves live with that submissive mind. We studied that text a couple weeks ago. In chapter 2, verses 12 through 18, he shows us how he, how Paul, had a submissive mind. That was last week's study. And now today, he introduces us to two more helpers in the ministry, and two more that I think are a lot more similar to you and I, Timothy and Epaphroditus. I believe he did this for a reason. I think This is written, I think the Holy Spirit inspired Paul and said, you need to put in Timothy and Epaphroditus in here because the Holy Spirit knew that the people who are going to read the book of Philippians, that letter in Philippi, when they read that, they're going to look at it and go, yeah, I can't be like Jesus, I can't be like Paul. Those are great people, a great Jesus who's the Savior of the world. Paul, the great apostle, there's no way for me to be like them. And matter of fact, I personally think that we behave like that today. We're like, I don't know, you hold up Jesus as an example, you hold up Paul as an example, those are awful mighty examples for us to try to follow. So I think because Paul's inspired by the Holy Spirit and knew we'd have those challenges, I think the Holy Spirit's like, now hold on a minute, you hold up Timothy and Epaphroditus as well. Why would he hold up Timothy and Epaphroditus? I I believe Paul introduced these men because they're very ordinary, very common people. They, they were not apostles. They, they were not spectacular miracle workers. They were just very common like you and me. And they lead and show an example again for us to see the submissive mind that it's not a luxury to enjoy, be enjoyed just by a chosen few. And so Paul holds them up. And I want us to dive in today because I think it's a necessity for Christian joy for all believers to see there's examples of people who do this from all walks of life. And I believe they're similar to Peter and John. You remember Peter and John, the fourth chapter of the book of Acts? They're put on trial before the Sanhedrin. Peter and John, very common fishermen. I mean, they were not the smartest crayons in a box. They probably never finished much education. And, and here they are before the Sanhedrin, and they're, they're being questioned about their faith. They're being questioned about the message that they were pre- preaching. They're being questioned about all that. And they stand up before the, the, the elect, the, the highly intelligent, so to speak. And Peter and John are like, no, here's what we believe. And they boldly claim their faith. You remember Acts chapter 4, when they then left, what was the discussion? The discussion was about how these were unordinary men. They were unschooled men. But boy, how good of a job they did testifying and sharing. Unschooled men. That was Peter and John. They were just common people. And these are the kind of people that Paul lifts up. And so Paul now takes Timothy and Epaphroditus and he says, here's some very common, unschooled, ordinary fellas. And they get it. And so let's look at Timothy. Paul probably met Timothy, probably on his first missionary journey would be the the probably most estimated time. He was probably in his young teenage years when he was actually 
converted, probably around maybe he's 12, 13, 14 years old, and his mother and grandmother were most likely converted first. Probably the mom and grandma um, were converted, and they shared their faith with Timothy. He was a son of a Jewish mother and a Gentile father, but Paul always considered Timothy uh, his own, his dearly beloved in the faith is sometimes how the terminology of the text would be used. And when Paul returned to Derby and Lystra while on a second missionary journey, he then enlisted Timothy as one of his fellow laborers. Timothy, you need to come along and you need to help me out. And Timothy's experience, we learn though that the submissive mind is not something that suddenly appears in the life of the believer. It's not like, well, I became a believer at the age of 13, so to speak, and now I have this whole submissive mind. It's actually something that Timothy had to develop and it had to cultivate. And most of us understand that. We go, yeah, the day I became a Christian, I still had a whole lot of junk that I was hauling along with me, a whole lot of attitude I was hauling along with me. And it's been little by little, year by year, where God has worked on my heart that I see things change in me. So it was not natural for Timothy to be a servant. And as he walked with the Lord and he worked alongside Paul, he became the kind of servant that Paul then started to trust and he could bless. And I want us to see some character traits or some personality traits of this young Timothy. First of all, he had a servant's mind. Look at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Now look at verse 20. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. I mean, Paul's saying, listen, I'm looking for somebody to go and come to you, but I have nobody who's willing to set aside their own selfishness and go. He says, for everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. I mean, imagine Paul in prison thinking, how can I get some word back? How can I get some encouragement to the church in Philippi? What can I do? Who's out there that will actually do it? Who's willing to, to go through the trial? Who's willing to go through the difficulty? Who's willing to take the risk with their life? Because Timothy cared for people, and because he was concerned about their needs, concerned about their physical and their spiritual needs, and Paul is concerned for the church, Timothy's like, yeah, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to put some things aside. There were hundreds of Christians in Rome, but not one of them were available to make the trip. Does that make sense? As we sit and look at the text and we study that we start to know the background, I start to go, wow, why were Christians in Rome not willing to speak up and go, me, I'll go, I'll do it, I'm ready, I'm willing, I don't care what it'll take. You know, things haven't changed much. Haven't changed a lot in the church. The percentage of people who are willing to go the above and beyond, so to speak, that, 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 that mindset that says, I'm going to live for Christ, and it doesn't matter what happens to me. My wife and I were talking to Luke yesterday, and he's in Louisville back doing his missionary training, getting ready for his mission trip to Mexico, and he was talking about this whole virus thing, and he said, I can't wait till they get a vaccine. I said, Why? I'm taking it. I said, you're taking it. I don't know, man. I'm not sure about getting a vaccine. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're FaceTiming with it. I'm like, I don't want to be the first person to get the vaccine. I might grow an extra finger or an extra ear or something. He's like, Dad, I don't care. I can't travel to other countries until I have a vaccine. I'm going to do it because I want to tell people about Jesus. I, and I'm getting ready to preach about this. Like, am I willing to, to do that? No, because I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about, I don't want the vaccine because I have to have a no number of people be tested first and they might get sick and work through it, then they get it better. Then I take it. My son's like, I don't care. I, I just want to tell people about Jesus. That's kind of a, a heart that 
Paul's trying to teach here. Like, do we have that heart? Like, I'm just willing. See, see, we either live in a Philippians 1.21 mind. To live is Christ. That's, that's a mindset. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That can be my mindset. Or we live in a, in a Philippians 2.21 mind that says everyone looks out for their own interest. That, that's the bridge. That, that, that's where we're between all the time. I'm over here. I take care of me, myself, and I. I'm going to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'll go here. I won't go there. I'll gather in church. I won't gather in church. I'll go to a small group Bible study. I won't go to a small group Bible study. All these kind of things we're wrestling with. Like, am I, am I really thinking about to live as Christ is, is gained? Because if I start living over here, that's for, for myself. Or do I live over here? Hey, for me to live is Christ. I'm going to do whatever I can for Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. And whatever happened in all this crazy virus situation, or if I'm called to go to the mission field, or I'm called to do this or that for God, am I willing to do that? We live on this bridge in between that, don't we? Sometimes I'm way over here. Sometimes I'm like, it's all about me. I'm just going to protect myself and take care of myself. Sometimes I'm way over here. Paul's calling us, hey, look at Timothy. He really got this mindset that to, for me to live is Christ. He, he got what Paul was trying to teach him. And his mindset was that way because he had a submissive mind. How did he get there? Well, he had some servants training. Look at verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. See, Paul did not add Timothy's to his team the very day he was saved. It wasn't like, oh, Timothy's saved. You're now on my team. He knew Timothy as a young man needed to grow. He left him behind and become part of the church fellowship and, and Derby and, and Lystra. And it was in that fellowship that Timothy grew in spiritual matters and he, and he learned how to serve the Lord because he was around other people who were trying to learn together how to do that. And when Paul returned to that area a few years later, he was happy to discover that Timothy had a reputation as a young man of God. What reputation do we carry today? man, there is a young woman of God. There is a young man of God. Or is it, hey, there's a person who's pursuing all these other things, maybe not of God. What would be the reputation? Later in life, Paul then writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 about the importance of allowing new believers the time to grow in the Lord before thrusting them into the important places of leadership and into ministry. And so, Timothy took that time where he grew because why? He stayed around the church. He stayed around other Christians. He continued to study what he could of the Word. And it's a good direction for us. It's a good direction for us, no matter how old we are, to realize that we need to spend time growing in the Lord and being willing to go through the training. You know, it wasn't like at uh, 11 years old when I gave my life to Christ that all of a sudden God said, hey, boom, you're going to be a preacher. And you're going to start preaching. No, there's been a process. I grew by, by being in the church and going to youth camp and being in youth group and being in Bible studies and, and people who invested their lives in me and, and mentored me and then going to Bible college and becoming a youth minister and becoming an associate minister to one day plan in a church and continue in that, in that role of, of growing and, and preaching and pastoring. But it doesn't happen just overnight. And God probably has each one of us in this room in a place where he's growing us for what he has planned for us. God might be taking you through training. Quite honestly, I think this year for 2020, walking through COVID, is training for all of us. Training, do I trust? Training, do I have faith? Training, do I trust in the sovereignty of God that He has all this in His hands? Training that uh, I don't have to be in charge? Training that I don't know all the answers? 
I can tell you I've had more conversations where people said, well, Brian, should we do it this way or this way or that way? And I've had to look at them and say, I, I really don't know. You might be right and I might be wrong. I've had that conversation more this year than I can remember in the last 20 years of life. See, Paul did not make a mistake with Timothy of thrusting him into a difficult ministry too soon. He gave him the time to kind of get some roots down, to develop his spiritual roots, to, to grow in Jesus Christ. And this is the way that Jesus trained his disciples too. Disciples didn't just come in to get thrusted. He spent three years with them, training them, getting them ready to go. He gave personal instruction and job, for the job experience because experience without teaching leads to discouragement and teaching without experience can lead to spiritual deadness. So sometimes we're thinking, okay, I'm in this. where I, Do I have enough experience? Have I been taught enough? And trying to balance all that out because it takes both. It takes teaching and it takes experience. And I think it's fair for us to stop and look at our lives and go, when did I come to Christ? Came to Christ at the age of 10 or the age of 20 or 30 or 35 or 40. Now, how am I doing in the training process and getting experience process? Because that's what God uses to grow us. Timothy had that servant's heart. He had good training, which then led to a servant's reward. Look at verse 23. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things are going, go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. See, Timothy knew the meaning of sacrifice and service. Would you say those words with me? Sacrifice and service. Sacrifice and service. They go together. They're like the right-hand glove and the left-hand glove. None of us would want to go outside in a freezing cold winter and only have the left-hand glove and say, I've got to shovel the snow. I have nothing to cover my right hand. That's what Timothy, that's what Paul's holding him up. He's like, listen, here's a faithful man of sacrifice and service. He had the joy of helping others. He went through the hardships. He went through the difficulties. But there were also victories and blessings. So he went through the sacrifice and the service. He was a good and faithful servant. He, he was faithful with a few things. So then God rewards him with more things to do, more responsibility. He had the joy of serving alongside the great Apostle Paul and assisting him in some of the most difficult assignments. There was joy in that. And Timothy is mentioned over 20 times in Paul's letters where Paul's like, this young man, Timothy, look to him. See how he has grown. See his faithfulness. However, the greatest reward God gave Timothy was to choose him to be Paul's replacement. That didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't all of a sudden, hey, Paul's going to be done. Paul's life's going to be coming in. It was his replacement. Paul, When Paul was called home, Paul wanted to go to Philippi, but he had to send Timothy in his place. What an honor that would be. What an honor to be chosen. Timothy was not only Paul's son and servant, but he became Paul's substitute. He became the one to replace him. His name is held high in regard in the Christian world today. Something that Timothy never dreamed of. Remember, an uneducated, unschooled, ordinary guy that learned to walk with Jesus, learned to be trained, learned to grow, allowed his experience. See, that submissive mind is not the product of just a few sermons. It's not the product of just showing up on Sunday. It's not the product of just hearing a sermon once or a week or going to a seminar or going to a camp. It's a combination of putting yourself before the Word of God, being, being mentored in the Word of God, being, being discipled in the Word of God, and putting yourself in those experiences. And here Paul says, look at Timothy. And here's Timothy, a young man of joy, because why? He has a 121 mindset to live 
is Christ and to die is gain. That submissive mind, it grows in us like Timothy. Let's look at Epaphroditus. Say that word with me, Epaphroditus. Man, that's a, that's a good word to try to name your kids and then you try to figure out how to spell it. I can't tell you how many times I had to use the spell check on that word and had to keep respelling it because every time I thought I could type it out by memory, I kept messing it up. Pa- Paul was a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews and Timothy is part Jew and part Gentile, but Epaphroditus was full Gentile. As far as we know, a complete Gentile. He was a member of the Philippian church who risked his health and his life to carry the missionary offerings to the Apostle Paul in Rome. And so in that time, the church would take up an offering and they would entrust a person to take it to missionaries or people who were preaching, teaching the Word. And so Epaphroditus is like, hey, I'll do it. I'll risk my life. I'll go on the journey. I'll go, why? Why, why was Epaphroditus held up? Well, few reasons. I think he was a balanced Christian. Paul couldn't say enough about this man. Look at verse 25. Paul says, my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. There's a balance there. These three descriptions parallel what Paul wrote about the gospel in the first chapter in letter in chapter one. He says, my brother, the fellowship of the gospel, that's, that's Philippians 1, 5. Fellow worker, that's someone who helps to advance the gospel, that's 1, 12. A fellow soldier, someone who will stand for the faith, that's from 1, 27. He's like, listen, this person gets it. They, they, they're a brother, they're, they're, a, they're, they're someone who's carrying the message, and they're someone who's standing for the message. Epaphroditus had this balance. And Paul says, here's a very common, ordinary guy, but he's getting it. He has a balance. Balance is important in a Christian life. You see, what happens in the Christian world is sometimes we get some people, all they want to do is emphasize fellowship. Oh, let's just get together. Let's just, let's just hang out. Let's spend time together. Let's just care for one another. And we just want to fellowship together. Well, that's good. It's needed. But many times they forget about the advancement of the gospel. They forget about evangelism. They forget I'm supposed to carry the message while others are going, wait a minute, I just want to evangelize. I want to go out there and I want to win the world to Jesus. And they don't stop to care about the other fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, say we need to spend some time fellowship. And there needs to be, there needs to be a balance. Epaphroditus, he had it. Epaphroditus, so to speak, he kind of understood battle and he had a trowel in one hand and a sword in another hand. He understood the idea of building and also fighting for the gospel. He had that balance. He kept that balance, but he also had a burden. Look at verse 26 27. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. See, Epaphroditus was concerned for others, just like Timothy. He was concerned about Paul. That's why he went to them in the first place. Why would someone travel hundreds of miles across rough terrain carrying the offering where if people know you have and you got a money, you have a chance of being robbed? But he says, I'll do that. Why? Because he's concerned about Paul. He, he, he volunteered to take that dangerous, tri- that dangerous trip to carry that love gift of money, protecting his own life. And he knew, I'm doing this at a risk, but I care about Paul, and so I'm going to take him some funds so he can keep advancing the gospel. He put his life at risk. We need men and women who are burdened for missions and for the gospel. I, I wonder sometimes, are we burdened today? One of my concerns in the pandemic that we're walking through, and I can't put a scientific understanding to it, it's just something I'm praying through and trying to understand, 
And I'm just wondering if we're still in the journey because really as believers in Christ, we still don't get it. Like we still haven't really woken up to what God wants us to wake up to. Could that be part of the journey that we're in? Like, like are we really burdened for someone who doesn't know Jesus? Like, let me just ask you a question. Like, have you shared your faith with somebody in the last two weeks? Have you actually spoke up and said, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Have a conversation. Have you actually asked somebody about where their eternity is? Have you had that kind of conversation? However you lead into that, have you had that conversation with somebody? Where you've actually asked them, where you're actually concerned about if this person dies and they don't know Jesus, they have an eternity separated from God? Does that burden, burden us? Does that, does that weigh heavy on our hearts? that I'm willing to open up my mouth and speak the gospel to somebody. I'm willing to, to walk with somebody in that. See, one missionary said the problem in our church is that we have too many spectators and not enough participants. Think about that. Spectators is what we do when we go to a ball game, if, if we can go. Spectators is what we do. We go and we cheer on, good job, and we go home. Unfortunately, the church has become that many times. We, we go to the event, we sing some songs, oh, that was great, and we go home. That's not what the gathering's for. The gathering of coming together is to inspire us and to spur us on to go out and live and be the hands and feet of Jesus. The gathering is to, is to encourage us. Hey, I'm worn out. I'm kind of tired. I need some encouragement, but I'm ready to go because Monday's coming and I'm ready to go tell somebody else about Jesus. I want to go talk to somebody about Jesus. I want to share that. That was the burden of Epaphroditus. Where did he get that since he's a common, unschooled, ordinary guy? The Holy Spirit. He got that from people that were around him. He got that from people who were, who were investing in him. He got that because he was spending time in God's Word. That grew in him. You know, that can happen in you and me. You know, it brings so much joy. A young couple uh, reached out via email uh, a month or so ago, getting married, looking for some pre-marriage counseling and uh, wondering, because I'm, I'm a certified Symbus counselor, pre-marriage counselor, and they, they reached out and said, would you do ours? And so I met with them, and as I've been meeting with them, found out that, that their knowledge of Jesus and their walk with Jesus is just very, very small. And so this past week, uh, when I met with them, I just asked them, I said, can, can we dive into this topic, and can I talk to you about where you're at in Christ? And, and we went on for about 45 minutes just talking about where they're at in Christ, what they understand about Jesus, which was very little. Got a chance to talk to them about heaven. Got a talk, chance to talk to them about Jesus dying on a cross for them. And, and quite honestly, the, the COVID stress of, over pastors is just heavy. And I walked out of there on cloud nine going, I got a chance to share my faith with somebody today. Man, it was exciting. You know what I was filled with? I was filled with joy. You want to have joy? Go take the step of faith and just, and just ask somebody, how are you doing with Jesus? Ask somebody the hard question and just say, hey, can I ask you something? What do you think about heaven? You ask someone that question, what do you think about heaven? It will be a game changer of a conversation. 
Epaphroditus was so burdened, he's like, listen, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to talk to people. And Paul, Paul holds up Epaphroditus that here's a man of joy. Thirdly, he was a blessed Christian. Look at verse 28. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Paul's pretty straightforward. Paul's like, you are a bunch of lazy bums and you want to give me help, and he did. He says, he's going to be blessed. It would be a tragedy to go through life and not be a blessing to somebody. It'd be a tragedy. Epaphroditus was a blessing to Paul. He stood with him in his prison experience and did not permit even his own sickness to hinder his service. He's like, I'm sick, I'm fighting stuff, but I'm still fighting with Paul. And I'm sure he had... He, he and Paul had some very special times together. He was a blessing to the church. He was a blessing to the church. Paul admonished the church to honor him. Why? Because of his what? Sacrifice and service. And he admonishes the church. Here's Epaphroditus. Listen, he's doing it right. Christ emptied himself in his gracious act of humiliation and then God exalted him. Epaphroditus sacrificed himself with no thought of reward. There's nowhere in Scripture you can go, well, Epaphroditus thought, if I do this for Paul, then I'll get these accolades or this accolade or I'll be paid this kind of money or something. No, he just did it because why? He had a Philippians, what? 121 mindset. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Paul encouraged the church then to hold him in honor to the glory of God. What a blessing to Paul and to the church, and he is also a blessing to us today because he proves to us that the joyful life is a life of sacrifice and service. In sacrifice and service is where joy comes. He shows us that submissive mind really does work. Epaphroditus and Timothy together encourage us to submit ourselves to the Lord, submit ourselves one to another in the Spirit of Christ. And Christ then is the pattern to follow. And that's why Paul starts off and says, let me hold up Christ. And then Paul says, now look at this is how I try to follow the example of Christ. And he says, now there's these other guys who are real common guys. Here's Timothy, he's doing it. And here's Epaphroditus, he's doing it. And he's like, if you do it, there's joy. You'll be able to rejoice. That pattern's there. Paul shows that power in Christ. And the proof is that it really works. Are you willing? Church, are we willing in the year 2020 to say, you know what? Yeah, it's been a pretty stinky world and all the circumstances going around me. But I'm going to pursue joy and I'm going to follow these examples that are before me. I'm going to follow the example of Jesus. I'm going to follow the example of Paul. I'm going to follow the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. And I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because Christ is calling me to have that 121 mindset, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Bow your heads with me. And as you